Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined again by John DeShazer, who has joined us so graciously after attending jury duty. He had to do his civil duty as he has rubbed in our faces several times this week. Um, but JD, it's good to have you back. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. All matters concerning this court should now begin. I'm just saying. I don't know if I would want you as my jury. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's good to be back uh, doing some real work instead of sitting on the jury. Although, I would encourage anybody listening, if you get jury duty, don't duck it, please. Because you want people like you on your jury if it ever came to that in your life. So, don't duck it. Do your duty. Are you running for, like, a political campaign or something? I could with that right there, man. But if they check my background, then that probably would disqualify me. Well, speaking of uh, politics, we did have a special guest at today's practice today. We'll get into that a little bit. We'll also get into the Vikings game because we haven't had a podcast uh, since the the Saints had their first preseason game on Friday. Um, And Daniel and I talked a little bit about that heading into that game. But, of course, it's good to have you back, and it's good to have the Saints back here at the Oshner Sports Performance Center. Uh, So, J.D., we did have a pretty special guest here at practice today, Governor John Bell Edwards. It was nice having him out there with uh, Drew Brees and the gang throwing the ball around. Yeah, Governor looked like he had a pretty lively arm there, uh, to be honest with you. Not the typical politician's arm when they get out there and they look really, really out of place. He looked like he might have been athletic at some point. I think they said he was a quarterback at one point. He looked the part. He he had a nice little throw in motion, and uh, obviously he came because he had some good news to bring. Um, the Saints in the state, obviously, uh, working on an extension. So hopefully the lease uh, at the Superdome would go from 15 years to 30 years with a $450 million renovation um, two huge developments. Uh, we know what the Saints have meant to the community here. Um, we know how the state feels about the Saints, especially recently, because there was once upon a time a somewhat contentious relationship between the franchise and the state, I would say. Um, that contentiousness is now gone. It's smoothed over. Um, I think the state, not that they didn't have an understanding of the Saints' uh, standing and importance in the community, but I think there's a better uh, understanding and a, and a mutuality between the two groups of what each means to the other. And uh, so, you know, Governor was was here, uh, explained some of the amenities that are going to be going into that renovation, but we know the Superdome remains among the premier facilities uh, in the world, not just the United States. It is a facility that is iconic. Uh, everybody, when you see that picture, you know exactly what it is and you know where it is. That's the Superdome in New Orleans. So, yeah, good thing all around. Um, you want to see that relationship continue and continue to blossom. Absolutely. I mean, John Bell Edwards discussed, you know, there was no plan to ever knock it down. They're not knocking it down. They're not completely building a new one. They're just simply renovating it. He talked about maybe having some daylight come in to the Superdome, which I don't really, I can't picture how that would look. I'm, I'm sure they know what they're doing. Uh, possibly having some bunkers down at yeah, the field bunker, level, yeah, which I think the Cowboys have, yeah, correct? Yeah, Cowboys do have it. Those bunk- and I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, stadium in Atlanta. I'll, you know, I try not to say Mercedes-Benz Superdome, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, where you have those bunker. The lesser of the two. Yeah, the bunk. Yeah, the lesser of the two. Obviously, <laughs> uh, you have those bunker seating, and uh, I think fans really enjoy those. I know when you go on Dallas's field and Atlanta's field, you see them down there, and you say, "Man, how, how could that be?" But they really enjoy being down there, that field level where you're kind of down and you're looking up a little bit. I, I think they enjoy it a lot. Do you think you would enjoy that view? I don't know if I would no, like it. It would take some getting used to for yeah. me because I'm accustomed to being, 
you know, at a high, different angle, right. either either eye level on the sideline or looking down at the game. So I don't know that I would ever get adjusted to looking up at the game. But I guess when you pay those prices, that's what you that's you that's what you want. I guess. Yeah, maybe. And you're not used to seeing the game. You're you're not used to seeing the game from those levels and having that kind of access. So maybe that's yeah a better so, access see, point. And, and they they'll be watching the games on the screens more so than anything there anyway. Right. So I guess you know that you you pay for. I guess the amenities that go along with it, you know, whether it's, you know, the catering or the bar or whatever it is that goes along with it. Well, J.D., um, we can talk or if you want to see the whole interview, you can go to NewOrleansSaints.com or the Saints app. And that entire interview is now on the, the Saints website. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the Saints versus Vikings game on Friday night. It was the Saints first preseason game. Uh, not a whole lot of, I wouldn't say expectations going into it for individual players. We did see some starters out there to start the game with the exception of Cam Jordan, but they were quickly taken out uh, to get some of the other guys some reps. Were there any specific stand guys who stood out for you from the Friday game? Well, I mean, if I had to go offense, I'd go with Teddy Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. I thought Teddy had a really solid game at quarterback, and I know I've, I've seen the criticism that he held the ball too long, and I'm not exactly sure what people – I guess people would rather him force it into coverage or, or throw an interception instead of taking it and maybe eating a couple of sacks or throwing it away or something like that. That, that argument has never set well with me where you'd rather have a guy turn it over than mm -hmm. hold on to it. So, you know, I'm going to dismiss that one. He was 14 of 19, 134 yards and a touchdown. His efficiency, I thought, was really impressive. Um, he made some nice, nice throws. He's He's got, you know, a lively arm. He can get it into some tight windows, and he can also uh, use touch when he needs to, as he did on, I think, a 32-yard completion to Cyril Grayson, mm -hmm. which was a back shoulder throw, which was a fabulous throw. So he's got some things – uh, in his game that really looked good. And he's healthy. Um, I don't want to say for the first time, because he said he was healthy last year, but after he had that you know horrific knee injury in Minnesota in training camp a couple of years ago, he's not wearing a sleeve in practice now. Uh, he's not wearing a knee brace anymore. He looks mobile. He looks like the Teddy Bridgewater who came out of Louisville. Mm -hmm. uh, defensively, I don't know uh, that we can necessarily pick a standout for the Saints defensively. They gave up you know eight point eight and a half yards per play. Uh, which is huge. They gave up a couple of big chunk plays, I think six plays of 20 yards yep. or more, including a 64-yard touchdown run. So they didn't do a lot of things uh, great defensively, didn't apply great pressure on the quarterback. So those are things they'll look to improve on. Special teams, if you want to go special teams, that's pretty easy. Uh, Will Lutz, 4-4 four, four field goals. He was really good. And also Deontay Harris, um, mm -hmm. three kickoff returns for 90 yards. And you can see – the the skills and the abilities that made him the all-time leading return guy uh, in the in NCAA history, regardless of you know I say regardless of classification. What are the classifications now? It's not Division One no more, is it? Yeah, it's you know, Division One. No, oh, okay. I thought it was Sub Championship Group One Three, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but you can see you can see what he has in him. Where if he gets some room and if he gets a crease. He can take it to the house. He's got that kind of speed. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. But I thought those were a couple of the guys 
who kind of stood out? Well, you kind of touched on the defense a little bit, but I do want to go back to it. I, again, you know, eight yards per carry. I think they had something 400-some-odd yards overall for the game. Um, is that a chemistry thing for the Saints defense? Is that, uh, you know, up front there wasn't – the pass rush wasn't good enough? Where can you – can you kind of tone it down and tell me where there was more mistakes than usual? Well, pass rush is pass is, – is, you know, I mean, excuse me, pass defense is pass rush and coverage working in tandem. You can only cover so long if you're on the back end. So if you don't get a good pass rush up front to throw the quarterback's timing off, to make him, you know, get out of his rhythm, then it's going to be difficult on the back end. So they can get much of a pass rush up front. So that's something they hope to rectify. Uh, The run fits, you know, could be technique things. And you heard, you know, Sean Payton has talked about it. You know, whether it's leverage, guys might be playing a little bit high. Guys overran some plays, and you can see Minnesota take advantage in terms of cutting back against them. So they use the Saints' momentum against them, you know, the physical momentum, the run run against them. So all of them, most of what you saw were correctable things. When you see a guy just flat get beat, those are the things that annoy you and concern you Mm -hmm. as opposed to something where you might be able to clean something up. Eli Apple allowed a 34-yard completion to Adam Thielen down to the one-yard line where Eli Apple – simply doesn't snap his head around fast enough and doesn't locate the football. If he snaps his head around, locates the football, if he doesn't, if, if, if he doesn't pick it off, the, the least he does is knock it on the ground. Mm-hmm. But because of that little technique thing where he doesn't get his head around fast enough, he doesn't locate the ball, and so Thielen end ends up with a 34-yard catch. Those are things you believe you can coach out of the guy and just kind of drill out of him and give him better awareness. I think that's something that we saw last season, too. I think we saw a lot of big plays come out of the secondary last season. As you said, is it something that, you know, when is your time up? When is when do does coaching go too far, you know what I mean? Or not go far enough. I mean, yeah. you, you can only do so much with the, a player, and I don't want to yeah. single out any player, and, but and, that's what we, but, what we seemed to give up last year. So. Yeah, and they, but they get into a – because they got into a groove last year too where, you know, it will be maybe the first half of the first quarter or the first, you know, three quarters of the first quarter, you know, the first, you know, eight minutes of the first quarter, something like that, where – the defense would give up some yards and maybe give up an early touchdown, and then they settle in. Mm-hmm. Now, when they talk about starting fast, that's what you want to avoid. You don't want to give up a touchdown drive on the first drive, you know, 80-yard touchdown drive, and then settle in. You want to stop that stuff and nip it as soon as you possibly can. And that's what they're working on right now. So, But we saw some stretches last year where that exact same thing happened. They gave up some big plays early, and then they settled down. This defense – essentially returns intact minus uh, Sheldon Rankins and but otherwise it pretty much remains uh, Sheldon Rankins and Alex Okafor excuse me and Tyler Davidson and Tyler Davidson but it pretty much remains intact Tyler Davidson was part of a defensive tackle rotation so Mm -hmm. they almost see David Onyemata as another starter there right you can say you know so you you can say yeah you lost the starter but did you but he was a part-time starter and And Taylor Stallworth stepped up last year so you feel like you know, they were, they come back intact, and you hope that having done what they did last year, uh, number two in the league against the run, and, and improving vastly after the first two, three weeks mm-hmm. uh, defensively. And, again, they hit a stretch where they were as good a team defensively, I thought, as there, were, as there was in the league. They were producing a bunch of sacks uh, for six straight games. They only allowed, like, 12.3 points a game. Uh, They were getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, They were creating turnovers, whether it be fumble recoveries or interceptions. 
that's the group you want to see. And you don't want to see it for six games. You want to see it for 12 games, 15 games, because that's what great teams do. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the development that you want to see so far out of Marcus Davenport, the the number 14 pick last year? Uh, I know, you know, last year he was dealing with some injuries. He was kind of getting his feet wet a little bit. Have you seen the development or the progress to this point that you'd like to see out of Marcus Davenport yet? Well, I don't know if we've seen it tangibly from a from a domination standpoint but it's tough to tell because he practices against teron armstead and not a lot of people can dominate teron armstead so you hope that when he gets in the games you'll see more of you know his development um his teammates believe he's better his coaching staff believes he's better but you know ultimately he's gonna have to get on the field and prove that he's better Uh, we might see some of it come to light maybe against the Chargers in joint practice because, again, he won't be going against the Ron Armstead. And so that's, you know, I don't want to say that's a sigh of relief, but once you go against a guy who's in the top three, four, five at his position in the league, then anything else is going to be a little bit less than that. So you should theoretically be able to take advantage of the next person or be able to hold an advantage on the next person we'll see Uh, but it's tough to see domination in practice one he's going against a guy like that and two it's kind of three quarters and you don't get a chance to see a whole lot in practice didn't really do anything I don't think noticeable in the preseason game but you know how much of that is scheme wise uh, Minnesota's quarterbacks are getting the ball out of their hands pretty quickly so you know we'll see how it goes you know as we as we go along because in the NFL you know you know you can have a game and a half two games where people might not even know you're on the field and then you can have a four game stretch where you get five sacks and then you're the best thing since sliced bread so we'll see how it goes at what point would you like to see I don't want to say domination because, like you said, that might not happen until week seven, eight. But at what point would you like to see more comfortability from Marcus and the Davin- Marcus Davenport in the defense? Oh, I want to see it today, <laughs> today, uh, because again, even though they're what they're doing is vanilla, uh, they're not game planning. But with that said, you want guys to be able to execute the technique they've been taught. You want guys to be able to deal with whatever adversity they're dealing with and you want to see it immediately so you know yeah you're not game planning against uh people but you're also not being taught to overrun plays mm-hmm. uh, you're not being taught to miss tackles so those are the things that you want to see immediately cleaned up and i and i think they can and they probably will but you know you want to see those things immediately Going back to Teddy Bridgewater, I know you said he um, is looking healthier now. He is looking more, much more confident um, in the offense, of course, spending an entire offseason with this New Orleans Saints offense. Do you think, you know, I don't want to wish this upon anything, anyone, of course, but if, we're, if Drew Brees were to be out, would you have faith in Teddy Bridgewater taking over at quarterback of the New Orleans Saints right now? Yeah, for two reasons. One, people, well, I think a lot of people – I don't know if you want to say forget, but Teddy was a two-year starter in Minnesota who took a team, who helped the team reach the playoffs, uh, who went to the Pro Bowl. So he's got ability. Three, second, you won't be asking him to do the same things that you asked Drew to do because Drew's Drew. I mean, so you can't ask him to do the same things and expect the same results. But I believe this defense, if it plays the way it's capable of, is better than uh, the Saints' defenses have been in the last four or five years, so you won't have to lean on a quarterback as much. Think about it. Drew Brees 
had fantastic touchdown interception ratio last year, but he didn't he didn't throw for four thousand yards last year for the first time in maybe twelve, thirteen years or something crazy. I mean, he had a string that's an NFL record. And he didn't have to do that because of the work the defense did. If the defense can give you what they gave you last year, uh, especially on an extended basis, then a guy like Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have to come out and save the day. Drew Brees didn't have to save the day last year. The Saints had a string where they did have some great offensive games, but they were blowing people out because they were scoring on offense and they were getting stops on defense. And that goes hand in hand. In hand. Defense gets stops. Defense produces, produces turnovers. They give the ball back to the offense. Offense gets a chance to score more. So if the defense can help you there, then Teddy Bridgewater or anybody else won't have to save the team offensively. Emmanuel Butler is a guy we saw return to practice in the middle of last week. We weren't sure if he was going to play in Friday's game. Of course, we saw that he didn't play, but we have seen him out in practice the day after the game on Saturday. We saw him Sunday, and we saw him make an ins- a couple pretty impressive catches out there today at practice. Do you think, um, you know, with the confidence that C.J. clearly has in him, Coach, Coach Curtis Johnson has in him, do you think we'll continue to see him develop? Do you have high expectations for Emmanuel Butler? to make this team what's kind of your projections for him you know he's an undrafted rookie mm-hmm. and I want to I want to maintain some composure there because you don't want to put too much on the guy too soon but he looks the part mm-hmm. um he is a not just a fantastic physical specimen but everything in his vicinity he catches and you know that's what you want to see out of a receiver I think um you know, I, I'm I'm excited to see him work against another team. So I'll be really excited to see him work against the Chargers because we've seen him work against the Saints defensive backs. He'll get a different level of competition, a different brand of competition. You want to see how he works there, but doesn't look like a lot phases him right now. Again, we got to see how he continues to grow because the small sample size we've gotten says that he's got all the goods. Now he's got to do it. Not in practice. He's got to do it against another team in practice. And he's got to do it in preseason games. And he's got to see if he can translate it over to regular season games. But, man, I love what I see. I just I, I, want, to, I want to keep the enthusiasm down because I don't want to put too much expectations on a really young guy who hadn't played an NFL game yet. Well, get your enthusiasm back up because tomorrow, excuse me, Wednesday, you are traveling to California IA and you'll get out of this New Orleans humidity because I know you love it so much. Uh, and you'll be headed to California with the Saints and Todd Graffanini to do your CST reports, to do your afternoon wraps, and to watch a little Saints versus Chargers football. Are you excited? Well, once you put all the work onto it, not really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not no, going to go out there to play golf. What no, do you it's, no, it's good. To, it's good to change not just venues, but to see him work against another team because that's when it really gets spirited. I guarantee you, Thursday's practice will be. It won't be quite a preseason game, but it'll be a pretty good simulation of it. It'll be pretty close uh, because they'll be going after it. Um, they get after it with one another. They've gone against the Chargers. This will be the third consecutive year out in California. And they really enjoy the experience. Uh, it's a di- you know just seeing a di- a person in a different uniform usually raises guys' intensity and raises their awareness. So I'm looking forward to that. I am looking forward to him getting after it because you know they they seem to have really good joint practices. Do you see more snaps um, with one on ones like the ones against the ones? Do you see more snaps ones versus twos? What what do you see mostly? Is this an opportunity for coaches to see? 
uh, you know, kind of their their guys that they're not sure if they're going to make the squad or not. What 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 should we expect to see? Yeah, you'll see drills with with your you know you'll you'll see Cam Jordan working against their top right tackle, gotcha. or you know Marcus Davenport against their starting left tackle. Uh, you'll see Drew Brees throwing against their starting secondary. Uh, so you get really good work, good quality work. In fact, um, you can make the argument that. For the guys that you really don't want to see get injured, once they go through the joint practices, you can make the argument that they they really don't need to play in the game because mm-hmm. they've probably gotten better quality of work during the joint practices than they will get in the game, especially if there's a snap count involved where you know Breeze is only going to play for you know two series. Well, he'll get you know fifty better reps or fifty good reps maybe in a joint practice, well, and probably more than that, I'm just saying 50, instead of the 24 snaps he might get in two series, and that's and that's being generous. You know, you're talking about two 12-play drives, which isn't likely to happen. So you get a lot of quality work done in those joint practices, and, and for some guys it's a better representation than it will be in the game. Well, J.D., I'm sure going to miss you. It seems like you're dodging me a lot lately. I don't know. Do I smell bad? What is it? Well, I mean, you know, we're friends, so, you know, friends don't let friends not wear deodorant. <laughs> but He's lying, you know, just, just so everyone knows. He's lying. I smell no, great. I did my civic duty. Now I'm back. That's all, right. all it is. All right. Well, J.D., I appreciate you. Thanks for adding your uh, two cents about the Vikings game and about heading out to L.A. We'll continue our podcast. Uh, J.D. will probably call in on Wednesday and Friday out there in California. Um, I know we did split the podcast, New Orleans Saints podcast and New Orleans Pelicans podcast, but if you are a Pelicans fan as well, be sure to listen to the Pelicans podcast tomorrow. Tomorrow morning uh, around 7, 8 a.m., Daniel Salerson, Jim Eichenhofer, Todd Graffinini, and John DeShazer, I believe, will go over the Pelicans schedule release that'll come out today at 3 p.m., so you should look forward to that. Again, that will be on pelicans.com, the Pelicans app, um, as well as iTunes and TuneIn. Uh, Thanks for tuning in today to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek, and we'll catch up with you on Wednesday.